Welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host, Trin City Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Fashion alert update. Turns out ballet flats are in this year. Ooh. Oh. Big time. And a shock to the odds makers in Vegas. Yeah. Also joining us, the producer, the producer of The Bridge Loud. I don't know why I started saying producer, but he does produce that show. It's true. It's also the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. Hey! Not joining us, one of the pastors of Christ Media Church and regular co-host, Lee Younger. He is not joining us as we are recording here on the eve of the Easter weekend. Yeah. And if you're a church pastor, as Lee is, uh, by the Sunday of Easter night, you're pretty much done. Yeah. So we uh, celebrate him getting some rest on that. But on that, I must declare a holiday-themed emergency. Ooh. That's right. Um, so uh, a couple years ago. My, my parents moved from uh, Tennessee, where I'm from, to a uh, place you may have heard of called Alabama. Oh, I have heard of that. Oh, boy. And you have in your mind, I, you have in your mind a, a judgmental, a negative, an unfair portrayal of Alabama. Sure. That's the part of Alabama they live in. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, uh, like they, some people think they're really backward. Yeah. Well, to that point, they're in the, uh, the grocery store, and I must uh, stress, not a Christian store, not just, you know, the... The Kroger, the what have you, uh-huh. and they come across the Easter candy, okay. as you probably may at your local, you know, Target or whatever this time of year. Your Cadbury eggs, Cadbury egg, your peeps, know. absolutely peeps. You might have your uh, your chocolate bunny. You may have a thing I recently saw at the Target around here, which is a peanut filled full size chocolate bunny, and that <laughs> feels like the kind of thing the grandparents give the grandkids because they still kind of resent their kids who are the parents of the grandkids. Right, right. That's a lot of sugar. Yeah. Yeah. In one go. Yeah. But uh, th- this is not any of that. This is religious-themed candy. Ooh. And it's a doozy. Okay. So I had two uh, bags of this appear in my mail recently. We have a scripture jelly beans. Okay. With a, pr- a prayer on them. Oh, and you may think, is this uh, prayer color-coded to the jelly beans in the thing? And you know it is. Ah. We have the prayer on the back. Thank you, Lord, for these jelly beans mm. that remind me of your love. Oh, okay. Here's the thing. I'm going I'm to pause this right there. Um, that's an aggressive start. <laughs> right. <laughs> to give someone a gift yeah. that has a script on it to yeah. say, why don't you thank God for that thing I gave you? <laughs> yeah. That's... Aunt Sharon's coming out, coming out of the gate strong with that. Yeah, and you haven't actually eaten them yet. Yeah. So what am I giving thankful thanks for? You sure, know absolutely. I mean? Well, Glenn, I'm glad you asked. Oh, okay. You're giving thanks apparently for the symbolism. I started with a sinful heart keeping me from you above. That's, again, okay. that's harsh to put on four-year-old Timmy. He just wants the jelly bean. Yeah. So we're, 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 we, we ended on keeping you from the thing above because that yeah. rhymes with the love. You'd think that. Yeah, yeah, no, we're in a, Dude, we're in a we're real... Talking, we're talking about a rhyming couplet here. Yeah. Indeed we are, indeed we are. We're in a real uh, ABCB rhyme scheme here. All righty. Uh, red represents the blood you shed to provide salvation free. Uh, ooh, salvation free? White shows the cleansing of my sin as I put my faith in thee. Ooh, it just got real religious because we added a thee. Uh, that's right. Yellow... It, it's not that you're salvation free... No, 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 not like something sugar-free. Yeah, right, yeah, that's okay. Yellow is for heaven above. My new home I'll have someday. You've threatened Timmy with death here. That's strong. Right. Green is for the growth I will see as I read your word and pray. Oh. Purple shows you are king of all, the one I choose to obey. 
Not sure I probably means that. Thank you, Lord, for these jelly beans. They mean more than words can say. Well, we they... doubled down on being thankful for the jelly beans. And they, I've had jelly beans before. Yeah. I could find the words for the level of thankfulness I had. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't beyond words. No. The thankfulness for jelly beans is mostly... Yeah, okay. That's, uh, that's Do you have any good. chocolate? You don't? Okay, jelly beans. Okay. Well, as a junk food connoisseur, I, I feel true. like it's important to point out that there is a range of quality of jelly beans. Indeed. Um, and I have a suspicion, I, I haven't seen this particular packet, but I have a suspicion these are not the good jelly beans. Well, I think we need a taste test. Well, uh, I'm happy One to Jedi supply Burr, that. Let's... As we do that. Yes, indeed. These are from the Scripture Candy Corporation, mm. uh, reaching the world. Oh, piece of the yes. time. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing about that. We have another uh, one of these products as soon as De- Jones out the taste says here, but I really want to go back to, so salvation got one line, one couplet, you know, the blood of God got right. being thankful for the jelly beans really got two. They opened and closed with that. Yeah. One. Now, before you, you, before you jump in here right. Jed, with your review, can you even find the words? I can find the words. Oh. Okay, because the, on the package it said it would be beyond words. Yeah, they should have sent a poet for these jelly beans. Right. Yeah, no, I have words, and here are the words. These are the most Christian jelly beans I've ever had. Right. And I'm going to tell you, you what I mean. Do you mean that in a positive way, Jack? No, I definitely oh. don't. Because these are terrible jelly beans. I mean, like, aggressively like, bad. terribly, terribly good. No, I mean bad. I mean, oh. actively, I wouldn't inflict these on a stranger jelly beans. Okay. These are, these are really bad. Like if you gave this jelly beans to someone as a witnessing tool, as a, as opposed to talking to a person, right? You don't yes. want to do that. Yeah. What you want to do is go up to strangers and say, "Here's some candy." Right. Eat candy from a stranger. Which, as we pointed out, uh, not stranger, but an acquaintance would be could be step one of the Jed Brewer not being a jerk system. That, Absolutely. That's true. But once you stare at them and say. Why don't you read what's on the pack? Right. That's, that's weird. That's You've weird. Veered off the path. Right. And then if they eat the candy yeah. and it's really bad, yeah. like sort of like a punishment. Yeah, anyway. which yeah. is what this is. This is punishment candy. Do you think if you were more pure of heart, it would taste better to you? No. I. You know, I think me being more pure of heart would help a lot of things, but these would still be crappy jelly beans. Well, that's fair. Well, let's move on to item two. Oh, <laughs> Oh, look now, up. jelly beans, you know, you've seen jelly beans, you say, okay, and you know, I can I can relate jelly beans with Easter. They're colorful. Right. You might put them inside the plastic egg and the kids yeah. find those. That's, that's easy enough. You bet. Now we have uh, Jesus Promise Seeds. Oh, look oh! Out. Which appear to be um, repurposed candy corns. <laughs> oh. But instead of the yellow part, they're pastel colors for the Easter season. Uh, pa- pa- what colors are they? We got, uh, so they have the white... Cap, right? Like yeah, yeah. Do, but it's, you know, candy corn is meant corns with orange and yellow. Right. These have like a nice lime green, a okay. nice pink, a nice teal. Okay, that's first of all, colors not found in nature. Okay, and I know that somewhere uh, Lee's going to be listening to this in pain because Hi, he and I both are very strong fans of the candy corn. You are, yes, bro. I didn't know that. Yes, I'm a huge candy corn. Oh, dude, I love person. candy corn. Yeah. Okay. Here's what I'm trying to say. Philistines, a lot of you. Do not mess with candy corn. You want to try one? I'm going I'm going to try a blue a turquoise blue candy corn. Well which, which 
can't be good. Before you do, I have to give you a blessing. Oh, Lord. It's on the package. Oh, That's please. fair. Uh, I will say, uh, as, as we're going for witnessing tools, yeah. uh, better than weird amateur uh, jelly bean poem. Right. These just have Bible verses on them. Okay. And I was looking through the pack, and some of them, most of them are like what you'd expect. You know, right. the Lord is very present in trouble. And, you right. know, that's good. A nice, encouraging stuff. Then there's this one. Oh. I picked it random. And I, I read. So, you, again, you know, you got, it's, it's, it's someone at the office, like, oh, a little sad, but he's just, oh, have some candy. And there's, there's you know, not, not for nothing. There's a little inspirational message on there. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. On the Easter candy. Acts 2-7. So that's on the Easter candy. For real? Yeah. That's a bit strong. That appears to be from the authorized version. Oh, yeah. A threat. Okay. To the people. There's a lot of jokes I'm not making, but I'm thinking them. Let's eat some candy corn. Let's okay. let's put something in Jed's mouth so he won't say these jokes. That's not good, man. It doesn't. You know, even as just secondhand, I'm not chewing. These guys are and listening. It doesn't look. It doesn't sound good. And Glenn looks pained. If you took a wax candle, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and added. Some form of chemical. Yeah. It's like a chemical. Like if you took a wax candle and you doused it in a vat of chemicals and then stuck it in my mouth. So you're saying it's the joker of candy corn. You've yeah. ruined It's exactly what I've just put in my mouth. I just had a joker in my mouth. This is Stop what I'm saying. saying in your mouth. <laughs> this I, is, I, it's like Easter exploded in my mouth. As a for real thing. These are like low grade candy corn mixed with mint. Oh, which is that's not really weird, dude. That's Uh, not good. Let me just say, you have created an abomination. (laughs) You have look, candy corn is pretty close to a sacred thing to me. Agreed. You don't mess with the candy corn. You don't say, let's put some pastel colors in there. No, You, you look, candy corn. Is as created by God perfect? Yes, I you, don't think you, God created candy corn. Well, I, uh, somebody doesn't believe in creationism. Okay, Glenn, do you do you think there are great, great fields of candy on the cob just <laughs> throughout the plains? Obviously, they the candy corns as high as an elephant's eye. That's right. They this they grow it in Oklahoma. That's what I'm saying. Well, I have a follow up question because I'm looking at my really unimpressive jelly beans here. And they got the poem and everything. And there's two colors that are unrepresented in the poem that are present in the pack. Now, I figure we got two options. Option one is um, this is just a clever marketing ruse and just jelly beans come in this variety of colors. And they yeah, you you stick them in there. They just didn't care. But the other is there are lost verses to this poem. That's right. One is pink and one is orange. And my question is... I think we need to come up with the... What are the lost inspirational verses for the pink and orange jelly beans? I, well, I think you've got an uh, aren't you glad that Christ gave his life for Oh, you? that's very... Uh, going going punnery. That's very good. That's very, very good. I, I just picture someone at the, the uh, Scripture Candy Factory whose job was to come up with the orange couplet. <laughs> right. Just trying to find something just... 
I got to put orange at the end of the line. It's the only way it scans. Right. And just, you know, ashtrays filled the cigarettes. Yeah. Just, you know, pages ripped off his typewriter. He just yeah, can't yeah. crack it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a chalkboard with just everything's there and crossed out and erased yeah. over. And yeah, no, uh, uh, let's, let's maybe, you know, uh, we like to do this sometimes with the emergency segment. Everybody take a knee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wherever you are, if you're driving your car, pull over. Shift it into neutral. Yeah. Take a knee. Yeah. If you're on public transportation, just just drop to one knee right there in the sure. aisle. You won't be the weirdest one on that train. You, Don't worry. You, you got you got your earbuds in. You're you're rocking the 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 say that podcast. Here's one thing we'd like for you to consider trying. Talk to the people. Yep. Say. I know you're going through something rough. And here's what God would like you to know about that that might give you some comfort and help in where you will feel fed and encouraged. Yeah. Let's try that. Yes. Well, no. Um, we're not going to do that. Um, but let me... I, I speak for Christian culture at large. We're, we're super not going to do that. Um, but let me offer a, a compromise. Okay. Unchristian messaged candy. Oh. Okay. You, you go to Doris at work is clearly having a hard time and you say, Doris, it looks like you're having a hard time. Right. Here are some uh, jelly bellies. Right. And I'll give those to you and say, I am sorry. Um, bye. Okay. So what you're saying is we're starting with something that actually tastes good. Yep. Yes. These, these are a quality product. That's right away. I I think we've major upgrade, major upgrade. Yeah. You know, Christians talk a lot about, you know, we want to represent excellence in all things. Right. Uh, and they pretty much only mean buildings. If you're going to give people candy, give right. them a good candy. So you give them a jelly belly, say praying for you, Doris, and you, you drop it and then you just go away. Yep. You say, seems like you're having a hard time. Uh, if you ever right. want to talk about that, yep. I'd be happy to. In there the meantime, here, here's an assortment of candied corns. Right. And then you just leave. Can't go wrong. Yep. Do that. Yep. Now, what if you take that wrapper and put on the Jelly Belly wrapper like you could Sharpie it on there? Oh. <laughs> Some really, really bad couplets that you've uh, constructed. And it didn't quite work, but you know what you said? Let's go with it. Christians will put up with anything. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Here's some candy. <laughs> that's a good verse. You yeah. hand it out to the children. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that, that's where my mind's going, and this may be a, a fun uh, game for the at-home audience. I'm trying to think of the worst verse. You could just slap on the jelly, the, the pack of jelly beans. Oh, I got one. Because, man, the, your young people will have visions. That's not great. You could do, I think a classic would be, you know, I forget which minor prophet it is, but you know, uh, they, they will think it better to dash their children's head against the rocks. It's probably pretty good. My friend, I've been waiting for this moment my entire life because I'm a preacher's kid. Oh yeah. Which means that your one thing in life is to know inappropriate Bible verses. That's true. That's very, very good. And, uh, for those of you who don't know general life, and we hope y'all get to know them soon. It's a fun experience. Um, one of the things, other things about Jed growing up, preacher's kid at the time and in the denomination he did is a lot of his knowledge of uh, scripture that he has committed to memory from his youth is in the King James version. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah. And it really adds something to it. Well, for today, we're going to go with the NASB. Oh. Which is, it's like the KJV, but light. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, and here's what I'm fascinated to find out is if Jed and I aren't gracing to the exact same spot. Okay. So keep th- going. This is from the prophets. Uh huh. Right. It is Ezekiel 412. It's, I got a different one. But keep ah, going. excellent. And the word saith, you shall eat it as a barley cake, <laughs> having baked it in their sight over human dung. <laughs> That's very good. That's very, very good. Glenn, what do you got? Wherefore David arose and went, he and his men, and slew the Philistines, two hundred men. David brought their foreskins. There you go. And gave them in full tale to the king that he might be the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him Mishal, his daughter, to wife. Yeah. Have some candy! I think that's the winner for the worst thing you can write on a foodstuff you've given someone. 200 foreskins. Wedding present. Have some candy. Have some candy. And with that note, I declare Easter emergency all. You can't be mad at me. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. You know, I think sometimes uh, we talked a lot to, we have a lot of friends who are pastors, a lot of friends who, uh, they, they do the, the holiday sermons. And one of the things they worry about is, Feel like I'm just repeating myself, you know. You kind of could do the same thing every year. Yeah. Why don't you do the uh, the 200 foreskin sermon for Easter? Yeah. Yeah. Get on the level with your friends here on the Say That Podcast, yeah. and you know, just give the people an experience. Do it. Do it. <laughs> That's always the voice of a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, one day, of course, we hope to have our own Bridgebox themed candies, so we can try this out. Uh, will they almost certainly be just? packages of candy corn that we scribbled these inappropriate verses on yep yeah probably but that's probably better for everyone than us trying to make candy but for now bridgebox will contain sermons songs bible studies all sorts of good stuff missionusa.com slash bridgebox only eight dollars a month if you want to check that out this month we are looking at building good relationships as a matter of fact we're gonna look at on we're gonna look at that question as our first question here on the show this week so as we pointed out before, every uh, month, the sermons you hear Glenn and I give, they're in your bridge box, are preached at the bridge. So what we do for that is we take the uh, the bridge box topic we want to uh, make the bridge box about, and then we uh, kind of put it in the form of a normal bridge topic. We have a topic every week from the bridge, the men and the women write in that's a little more, a little longer. You know, our bridge box topic is one sentence. It's how do I build better relationships? So we kind of try to put that in context. So here's the uh, the question as stated at the bridge that you'll hear Glenn and I preach on this month in the May bridge box, we're going to kick this around a little bit. It says, I'm changing my people, places, and things. How do I actually build good relationships with new people or rebuild good relationships with people I used to know? And Glenn, where do we start off with that? Well, I think, uh, you know, before we kind of dive into the mechanics of that, I think it's important to think in terms of being willing to be the the prime motivator on that, being willing to be aggressive and assertive in getting the the ball rolling with things, I think there's a um, a certain passivity that we can get into in our walk, and yeah. uh, a certain sense of of not being vulnerable, not putting ourselves out there, and kind of uh, uh, I don't want to uh, appear to be too keen. I just want to hang back and be cool, man. Uh, those people tend to have a really uh, uh, dry life and and don't experience the fullness of life. They don't have uh, a, a lot of dating life and they don't have a lot of friendships and so forth. Uh, it's better to be the person who uh, strikes out boldly and says, "Hey, let's do a thing." 
uh, that will be a certain number of people not wanting to do that thing with you. That that will be a certain amount of trying and failing. That will definitely happen, but it's about taking those shots and then eventually dialing something in. So it's not about having everything work out on the first round with that. Give yourself a, a chance to, to you know try different things. Uh, but if you're trying to build uh, new relationships, uh, good friendships, I think uh, that is about finding sort of uh, mutual interests, uh, fun things you can do. I think it's about looking at fellowship has a value to it. If I'm with other Christians and we are just doing anything where we can get any kind of conversation going, that's fellowship and it's good and it's helping. Uh, so you don't, don't feel like you need a format or that you need to Christianize it. If it's poker night, play poker. You'll, you're going to end up talking about marriage and life and things. You'll share a Bible verse that meant something to you about that. You'll, you'll say, hey, I'm praying for you, brother. That's fellowship. It's good enough. It doesn't need to be as you know, intentionally Christian as you can make it. Uh, what's important is to to share your personal life with someone else who can be encouraging and supportive and, and can provide a, a Christian perspective on those things. Here's the thing that I think kills that in a lot of uh, church cultures is a competitive spirit. And by competitive, I mean who's the most Christian person in this place? Uh, most churches I walk into, they are vibrating with the toxicity of that, and they are completely consumed yeah. with that. And the thing is, the, the, we're trying to measure who's the best Christian by who's here the most often, who knows the most Bible, who acts the straightest. These are terrible measures for what a decent Christian is anyway, so we're not trying to, uh, to, to have a good measure of that. Uh, what we need to do is to have an environment of mutual respect. Everybody here brings something to the table. Everybody here has something that's a giftedness. They're all different parts of the same body, and none of us can say we're the important part and they are the unimportant part. If you have that mutual respect, it changes things. I think that's what, in, on our staff, we're all, we all work together, but we're also friends. We also hang out and do fun things together. And that works because... We all respect each other. We know every other person in that circle is really amazing at what they do for the ministry, so it's easy to defer to that. It's easy to let that other person shine. It's easy to say, you know, I don't, I don't need everybody to sit around here and tell me I'm great, because I know what I'm accomplishing. I know what they're accomplishing. Everybody knows what everybody's doing. We can just have simple respect for one another. If you can get that going in your your environment where uh, you're, you're having that fellowship, you're going to have the quality of that experience go up tenfold above what anything else you've got going now. You have to be very intentional about creating that environment of respect that has to do a lot with authenticity, of uh, no pretense. If you say, hey, Trevor, uh, read this Bible verse, and he says, and, and on that day, the Lord, you have to say, what, Trevor, stop. Say it again just in your normal voice, because we're not doing that here. And we do prayer requests, and Trevor says, well, you know, I just have an unspoken prayer request, and I just want to pray for all the children of the world. And the thing. No, Trevor, okay, don't do that. We're not doing that. Tell us about what's going on in your life that you're having struggles with. That's what we're praying about. That's what prayer request time is for. You're trying to show off. Don't do that, Trevor. You can t say that to him off to the side. You can be nice about it. But 
uh, breaking down that sense of we're not doing the competition thing. We're doing the humility and, and mutual respect thing uh, because we're we're uh, we're moving towards a thing where we're meeting each other's needs. We're looking out for each other. We're praying for each other. Uh, we're 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 mutually nurturing one another in that environment. If you get that going, you're going to find uh, a, 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 your entire Christian existence hit a whole nother gear. Absolutely right. I think that's fantastic uh, advice on how to get this going. It's a great uh, place to start off. And Jed, I, I think one of the things we look at when we talk about our, our bridge box topic, uh, when we're doing our, kind of our bridge topic meeting, is uh, similarities and differences between the folks who might hear this online mm-hmm. and uh, the folks who are at our, our bridge service. Mm-hmm. So uh, as far as differences, I can lay those out in that... Um, for the middle one with the bridge, as far as rebuilding relationships, relationships with new people, uh, a lot of ways that might be uh, like 100% turnover. Like I can't go back to the neighborhood I'm from for like physical safety reasons yep. and may have in the, in the depths of addiction, people, some people just burn bridges for their family and just it's, I, I need to start from zero and maybe as part of my 12 steps, I might try to rebuild some relationships. So, and the advice Glenn gave uh, totally applies in that situation as well as it does of someone who it's just, it may be uh, the same issue, but maybe uh, folks who have, don't have background in addiction or uh, jail, just kind of living what we might deem a more uh, normal suburban existence might have in the sense of there's some people in my past, they weren't cool to me and I weren't cool. I wasn't cool to them. And it kind of got tense or is Glenn saying that I'm in this, be it, be at work, be at church has a bit of a toxic, mm-hmm element to it or i'm going to a new place if we're looking to find a new church or a new uh, small group or something and i want to build all these things in so all that to say there are some functional differences right. of what that might look like and those mostly might come in uh levels of intensity sure um but all the stuff glenn gave us totally works in either one of those environments and i think it all may all come uh, down to some core ideas that are going to apply universally and what might some of those more high level concepts be It's a great question. I think one of the key things that uh, would apply in both cases, definitely, and I think undergirds the great stuff that you've already gotten from Glenn, is the idea of humility. Um, But it's important to know, uh, when we talk about humility, we mean something pretty different than what a lot of people have in their heads. If you you ask most people to define humility, um, they, they would basically say, well, having a low opinion of yourself, essentially. That's, that's what it means to be humble. And that's definitely not in any way what we mean when we say humility. When we talk about biblical humility, it is knowing who you are, strengths and weaknesses, um, glory and warts, all of it, and then accepting it. Uh, there, there's an active component to that. It's, it's being aware of the full gamut of your personhood and accepting it. This is what I'm dealing with. And it, we we talk kind of um, amongst ourselves pretty regularly uh, pretty regularly about the idea that humility is a superpower. Um, to the extent that you can get a hold of biblical humility in your life, it will un- unlock for you things that otherwise would be impossible. There would be no other way to access them, and and things that are surprising, like humble people are able to succeed in ways that prideful people are not, which is a weird uh, kind of paradox that it would work that way, but I promise you it does. But if you want better relationships in your life, and, and good on you that you want that, we want that for you. And, and I love the idea that this is something we're just going to pursue. 
I'm not going to say, man, it would be nice to have better relationships. I'm going to say, I'm actively going to figure out how to do this. That's great. We, we salute and applaud all of that. I think the thing that's really going to let you do that is humility. And one of the things that a humble person does, and, and we're going to need to break this down because it's going to sound almost contradictory, but a humble person knows what they deserve. Christians struggle a lot with the word deserve. I mean, a lot, a lot. Uh, you deserve death. Mm-hmm. And judgment. <laughs> Hell. That's what you deserve, Jed. <laughs> but also Jesus. Oh, I'm out of time for my sermon, so uh, bye. Thanks, yes, Pastor we, Ricky. We, we might say an awareness of what would be healthy for you and good for you that God sure. would want for you. Sure, sure. What would be appropriate yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, what would be an appropriate way for you to be treated in relationships? Is that the same as saying what you deserve? Yes, it is, but I'm trying yep. not to set you off. So what would be an appropriate way for you to be treated in relationships? Okay, well, on that list would be being treated with dignity, being treated with respect, um, being treated with a certain amount of understanding and compassion and kindness. These are things that it is right for you to have in your interpersonal relationships. And the reason that we need to have a good sense of this, and, and a humble person does, a, a biblically humble person has a sense of what is appropriate for them to have in their interpersonal relationships, is that we can start de-emphasizing and moving away from relationships that don't offer that. Um, We all have relationships in our life where we're not receiving the kind of dignity and respect that is appropriate for us to have. We we actually all have those. And a humble person moves themselves away from those relationships. Now, again, I know that seems like a bit of a, a head trip because we're so used to thinking that a humble person wouldn't think much of themselves. And so if someone's kind of a jerk towards them, they'd be like, well, that's probably okay. But it's actually the opposite. You know, a humble, a humble person is where I am made in the image of God. Therefore, to, to be in a relationship where I am treated consistently in uh, an undignified, disrespectful, unkind manner would actually be to allow a person, in a sense, to show a disrespect to God. Uh, because I'm made in God's image, so that that would not be okay. And I and I know who I am, so I'm not going to put myself in situations where that's going to go on. I'm and I'm not going to put up with it. I'm I'm simply going to move myself out of those kind of situations. That that actually is what a humble person does. But then they go to all the things that Glenn has already told you about. Is they they take the initiative. A humble person is aware of their needs. A humble person is aware. You know, again, again, we said strengths and weaknesses both. They they know both of them. I need fellowship, and um, I can't wait around for that to happen for somebody else to get the idea. So. Um, I'm prepared to do an uncomfortable thing, which is to kind of, you know, make the phone calls and be the person that sets stuff up because I'm aware I have a need for fellowship. But if I don't get it, it's going to cause problems in my life. Um, I can't just go without it forever. So I'm going to take action. Um, I'm, I'm aware that I bring things to the table that should be seen and respected by other people. So I'm going to try and build those kind of relationships. But because I know myself, I'm also aware that other people have strengths I don't have. And that I want to respect the things that they bring to the table as also being valuable. So if you go through, again, everything that Glenn said, what we'll find is there's that core of humility, which is this thing that runs through it and really makes all of that possible and links all of that together. I think that's absolutely right. That is a really fantastic stuff from both of these guys. One uh, small, just super practical idea I would throw on top of this is the idea of kind of uh, hedging your bets, to use a term from a world I'm not familiar with. 
Um, so uh, that is to say, um, when you are doing this, when you're saying I, either it's, you know, I, I have a bunch of relationships I've heard that I feel like I need to go back to, or I'm in a place in my life where I, I realize this need for fellowship these guys are talking about, and I just kind of need more relationships. I need, I need more people in my life. I need more, more healthy, more people kind of at every level we talk about, you know, there's a small group of people you can go super deep with, and there's friends you might hang out to, you know, go rock climbing or bowl or whatever your kind of hobby thing is. And then there's some people you might just say hi to at work and all those are good. And you, a healthy social life has people in all those, all those strata. But one of the things that it's a counterintuitive, almost in the way Jed is saying is one of the, a bad strategy in this normally is to uh, fixate on one person. We talked before, we've talked a lot in kind of dating of it's, it's unhealthy to say, I, I, it's only this person or, you know, all is lost. And, you know, I, I cast myself to, I just get myself to a nunnery if I can't be with this one person, which is super weird. If you're a guy, don't go to a nunnery. They don't want you there. <laughs> right. Um, but there's this idea of it's relationships take work as these guys are saying. So I don't want to kind of have to, I don't want to, as just, you know, plan a thing, Well, I don't want to have to plan to go to the, the new members class at church and ask the and go out with these folks after work to to get a burger and you know see if somebody wants to do a game night at my place isn't that a whole lot for a month why don't i go to the new member class and see if there's anybody there who also likes rock climbing and then i can kind of build some momentum and normally we're big fans of building momentum and that's a great plan in my work but as far as casting your bread upon the waters a bunch of low impact things yep. is way better yep and there are some things you're going to have to plan, but you might also, you know, part of humility is doing what is going to work. Yeah. So it may seem like, I don't want to like look to see if there's a class at the library for people who want to learn how to, you know, make jewelry or whatever, and then go do that. That sounds, what kind of person would go to that? Someone who wants to meet other people who want to make jewelry, it turns yep. out. Yep. So if that's you... You say, well, wouldn't it be better if I didn't? And that's also to to tie this to the other half of this question, which is, or rebuild good relationships with people I used to know, which it's great to build better relationships with people you know, or kind of pick back up with maybe, you know, you moved away and, you know, you were friends in college and it kind of fell, you just kind of fell out of touch and want to reconnect that. But that's different than, well, I already know this person. So isn't that like half the work already? <laughs> Which it super isn't. If it's a right. good relationship you want to rebuild, that's great. But just kind of, well, I already have their their number in my phone. And I don't want to, that seems like really already 90% of the way there. We can just go do the things we used to. That's one of the things we talk with men and women at the bridge a lot about of, you have people who you were uh, had a relationship with. Was it a good relationship or is it just a familiar relationship mm-hmm. that's going to hurt some things? And again, that, that all ties back to what these guys are talking about of, um, you know, mutual respect and humility and those things of these are the things I want in a relationship. It can, there's a sunk cost fallacy kind of thing to think if I already know this person and we kind of have a couple interests in common, wouldn't it be easier just to force them into being a better friend than starting from zero with someone else and normally really not. And you're actually your best option is to have as many irons in the fire as you can. If I can stack what I believe is my fifth metaphor into this particular <laughs> answer. But uh, so it's one of those things of as exactly as these guys are saying, there's some things about this that are going to be counterintuitive. And one of those things is definitely um, it takes effort, but 
in a weird way, sometimes it takes less emotional effort to put a bunch of feelers out there as opposed to, nope, I asked so-and-so if they wanted to go to coffee and I'm done. I'm just going to live and die on what, on the, whether that response comes in. Right. It's actually not the best way to go about it. And it's not the, the healthiest thing that we would, we would want for you. So we're going to move on. If you want, and if you want more from that, missionusa.com slash bridgebox in your inbox on May 1st. Lots of cool stuff on that. We're going to move on to our second question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr, and it says, On the cross, Jesus asked God to forgive those as they didn't know what they did. Why would he say that? If they didn't know what they were doing, would they still need forgiveness? And a very interesting question, I think, has a lot of uh, kind of cool implications. And Jed, where would we pick it up? It's a great question, and I'm really glad that you asked. And here's the funny thing about life on planet Earth is that we all do wrong stuff. Um, I mean, that's, that's... I know I do. It's true biblically and theologically, and it's also just true practically. And here's the thing is, none of us ever have a full scope of what we're doing or how wrong it is. Um, none of us, absolutely none of us. And that's part of what is so heavy and so tragic about sin and living in a sinful world. Um, you know, uh, you've heard us talk before on this show about questions relating to abuse and, um, you know, and, and there's a common question, which is a very understandable one where a person who's experienced abuse of whatever kind saying, what is this, what does this mean about me? And what does it say about me that a person would do this to me specifically? And part of the, the general answer is it doesn't say anything about you, uh, cause this person wasn't thinking of you at all. That's if you if you want to look at what's really evil, it's that they would be awful to you and just not think of you in any way, shape or form, that you would be completely not a consideration. And I bring that up because actually uh, often in, in a lower impact way, that's how an awful lot of sinful stuff works is that um, we we do things without really thinking through them. You know, I mean. If you could cast yourself back to um, the day that Jesus was crucified for a second, um, you know, Christian culture's done us a little bit of a disservice because they've they've tried to make this the most thing that's ever happened and the most dramatic and the most, and in a sense it was, in a spiritual sense it definitely was, but in terms of the practical reality on the ground, we're the Romans. We do this all the time. It's the worst death anyone's ever died. If you don't think about all those other millions of people who died in the exact same way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, we kill people all the time, dude. That's, that's, it's our job. It's literally what we do. It's, and if you could have stopped the, the uh, soldiers that were doing this and said, do you think this is great? Like, is this probably the most moral and righteous thing you could be doing with yourselves? I think they'd probably say, well, I mean, no, but it's a job. What, you know, what do you want me to do? I mean, bear in mind, they were literally, the two people that died next to Jesus were thieves. They got the death penalty for stealing. I mean, think about that. That's, that's messed up, dude. Say what you want about Pilate, but he's tough on crime. <laughs> he, he really is. So again, if you had stopped these Roman soldiers and said, the death penalty for stealing, really? You know, I, I think there's there's a chance that they would have said, obviously this is a bit of historical fiction here, but, you know, I think there's a chance they said, well, you know, I mean, I, I see your point, but, you know, what are you going to do? And you got to be tough on crime, and plus it's my job, what do you want me to say? And in a sense, we're... Got to support law enforcement, Jed. You, 
<laughs> Don't do that to me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> you gotta do it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this this is the thing is is in a sense. I mean, if if you want to get really kind of almost maudlin about it, we're all those Roman soldiers, dude. We're we're all people who at times in our lives have done deeply wrong things without thinking through what this means and what the implications are and and oh my goodness maybe a lightning bolt might be headed my way um when jesus you know said forgive them they don't know what they're doing i think there's a lot there uh so i I think there's there's many many layers to it but i think one of the layers is that in this moment, uh, it's a crystallization of life on planet Earth where the most sinful thing that has, the most unrighteous thing that has ever happened in human history, the most unjust thing that has ever happened in human history is happening right now in this moment. And most of the people involved are about 99.9% oblivious to the fact that they are actively involved in this terrible, awful thing that is going on. If you're God, that's got to be an amazing thing to be able to process and not just want to destroy the earth all the time. I mean, that's, it speaks to God's forbearance and his mercy that his brain can handle that. I think it's an amazing thing. But it also, for us, it points back, in a weird way, it links back to our first question where the right response for all of us in our lives is humility, is to say, I'm not aware of the impact that I am having on other people, both to the good and to the bad. We've all heard before the metaphor about you toss a pebble into a pond and the ripples go out and go out and go out. That's true with good stuff and it's true with bad stuff too. Um, it, that, that same thing cuts both ways. And so a Christian person, you know, there, there's, there's a verse in the Bible that Christians don't often talk about because it trips them out, but it says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I think the idea of saying, I am going to humbly walk with my God and recognize I don't have all the answers. I'm relying on him to make good out of the things that I'm doing. And I'm also relying on him to be really merciful and understanding for all the stuff that I'm screwing up and I'm not fully aware of just how badly I'm screwing it up. Um, that's, that's a humble view of Christianity. And it's, I think, the right view for each of us to have in our own lives. I think that's absolutely right. That's a, a really fantastic way to take that because, Glenn, what I love about what, what Judd did there is there is at the heart of this a a kind of big hairy theological question. It's a philosophical yeah. question. Yeah. It's, it's a new one that uh, you know the, we could debate for ages if we were people who weren't us. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. cannot debate theological question for ages, right? For so many reasons, disinterest being at the top. But like all things in the Bible, we talk about this a lot, and I think this is a great example for that. Is everything in the Bible is you know they say it's good for for your teaching and instruction and discipline. There's a reason that big concepts like this are in there, and it's not so that people can make four-hour YouTube videos about them. It's because this means something to the individual person trying to walk with Jesus. So we right. take a, a big idea like it's easy to philosophize out to, you know, is it is it just for a god to hold responsible those who are unaware of their actions? Blah, blah, blah. Eh, whatever. What does this mean for someone who's actually trying to who reads that story in the morning devotional and says? There's something here about the way God wants me to live my life. Yeah. What's something we can actually tease out of this for that? Well, I think we can... Uh, I, I think part of what we're hung up on with this question is the idea of intent. In, in, the, in, a, in a court of law, intent counts, counts for a lot. If you accidentally 
uh, hit someone with your car, then that that's manslaughter. If you plot their murder, then that's first degree murder. There's a, there's a difference, and the the penalty would be different on each one. Uh, now, uh, I think we can get caught up in the thinking of, well, if I have good intent, doesn't that mean I'm perfectly innocent? Well, uh, no, it does not. If you step on my toe and you didn't mean to, it still hurts my toe. And you're still responsible. And you need to take responsibility. And I need to try to forgive you. Uh, that, that, that option will be on me to, to choose to forgive you or not. You could say, well, hey, bro, I didn't mean to step on your toe. And here's the thing. I accept that. Also, you did. You stepped on my toe. You got to take the responsibility for what's going on there. So I think we can get caught up in this idea of, well, if I have good intent, that just means I'm good all the way around. And it does not work that way. Uh, So there is an element of taking responsibility uh, for the things in your life. Uh, that you've done wrong, even if you had the intention of doing those things. And it's, it is a blessing and a beautiful thing that God does understand your intent and that he does take that into account. It's still wrong, but he still does say, the, you know, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, and there's, there's an intent to do a right thing here that's not happening. But, you know, I, God on boards that information. Uh, but uh, I think it's important for us to take responsibility for those things uh, because only then can we work on that transformation that allows us to have a richer and fuller life that he wants for us. But I want to also touch on the idea of uh, really sort of, I, I guess, the opposite side of the coin from what Jed was saying. He's talking about the humility side. Let's talk about people who are on the other side that are sort of arrogantly assuming, I'm pretty dang Christian. You're welcome. And there's a lot of that. A lot, a lot, a lot of that. Now, if you ask those people, now, aren't you pretending in every word and deed to be the holiest person in the room? They'd say, oh, no. Oh, I'm a sinner. I'm... I'm certainly a sinner. I'm not going to describe any of it to you. Glenn, sometimes in my car, I, I get angry at other motorists. Right. That's uh, that's literally nothing. I'll, I'll become vexed. Yeah. that's You have found the smallest no. thing, and then you're blowing it up so that you are engaging in a literal humble brag about your humility. Vexed. Vexed yeah. is the first step to perturbed, Glenn. <laughs> that's right. This is a, 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 you need to stop your friends and tell them we see what's happening here. But the, the good thing is, if you're the kind of person that says, hey, look, I think I know what being a great Christian is. One, you behave. You just super, super, super behave. Uh, two, you figure out the rules and you follow those rules. I mean, you really, really follow those follow rules. Follow hard. Follow them hard. Make up some extra rules. If you got follow to do those it, too. follow all of them. Then thing number three is you get your Bible out and you just study it, memorize it, and know it. If you're that kind of person, if you that's, know exactly how many foreskins you needed. Exactly right. <laughs> so if you're if you if it's about uh, you know that that super duper behaving, following rules, knowing the rules and following them, and uh, studying the Bible, the good news for you is. The Gospels contain a lot of stories about you. Yeah. Are they positive? Am I the hero of those stories? They are not positive at all. The people that that had that attitude 
of following the rules, super well-behaved, super-duper studying their Bible, those people went up to Jesus and said, you are a a sinful, awful person because you healed someone on the wrong day of the week. That's just pure evil is what that is. But the weird thing is, I think for us who are uh, people of faith and uh, those of us who live in faith communities, we actually buy into the act that this yeah. person's holy in that way. Look at a sweater, Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing is that assumption that you know and that you that I I I know how to I'm behaving. I got I'm following all the rules. I don't make any comments about foreskin, so I'm pretty great. You know, the, you know, I'm not like these other sinners, and so on and so forth. Uh, what you're going to to find if you actually read that book is that it talks over and over again about that's not it. Uh, so I think it is about looking at uh, the people who are standing at the foot of the cross with the full sense of this is a good thing. I have done a good thing. I have put this person to death for uh, violating the rules and violating my understanding of Scripture and, and, and failing to behave himself and comport himself the way we think a religious person should do it. Those people were acting in ignorance in, of that. They were not aware of this thing they claimed to know all about. It, I think uh, part of this is to recognize the depth of the grace of God, that he would want to forgive people in the midst of that and be willing to have that attitude. That's an, uh, that's an attitude I don't have an understanding of, and I hope I get closer to it. Uh, but it's also, uh, in a sense, a warning to us to recognize you can be reading that book, you can be uh, behaving and following all the rules, and, and, and have everybody convinced you're super holy and be on the exact wrong thing unless you let God come into your life, and let, unless you let him comment on these things and lead you forth rather than your own self-styled super holiness. I think that's a great point. I, I would pick it up there just to add, this is illustrative to me of a, of a again, this is a theological point that I think too often gets kept in the realm of the theological and the academic and doesn't get brought into how it comes to bear on people's lives, which is uh, you have, and I'm sorry if this is a shock to you, dear listener, a sinful nature. What? Your nature itself is sinful. You're saying it's natural. Yes, indeed. Ah. All the things you want to do are fallen in that way. And I don't mean in a super reformed, like everything you want to do is naughty, but just left to your own devices, you're going to screw this up. And so will I, and so will everyone else. Again, if you take it to just the, the bones of the story, who Jesus said this about, it is people who are doing their job, following orders from their superiors, which the Bible says to do, right? Um, who are uh, listening to their religious leaders, who are doing something they do every day just with this different guy. And this time it happens to be in the running for worst things people have ever done. That is a... It, not that they're particularly evil people, but that is living in this world is to uh, automatically just kind of go with the flow and do the same thing you do every day. That's going to get corrupted too. I think as, as Glenn is saying here, some people try to get in their, their Christian bubble. I think another aspect of that is people who get in their routine. Yeah. And get up, I go to work and I go to soccer practice with the kids and I go to church and I do that every week. And that's because I locked it in and it's safe, and the devil can't get in there, and boom. Said it! 
and forget it. Yeah, and that's super not the way uh, living in a fallen world or having a sinful nature works. That there are going to be moments when you have to make decisions, when you have to be on your guard against things, as the Bible talks about. But uh, as as we point out, uh, it none of that gets you off the hook for the things you do. It we should also point out so we don't become like the uh, the Presbyterians that we mock. Uh, it was taken care of. If you read the rest of that story, they do get the forgiveness because of the crucifixion. And we, we were making the joke earlier about, you know, what you deserve. <laughs> and we make fun of some of our, our pastor friends for leaning into that because a big part of that is I, I always uh, joke that, d- d- did you get to the end of the story there? Because yes, there was deserving the hell and the death and the torture and whatnot. But then Jesus took all that. So now there's a whole different list of things we deserve as people who are, you know, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ to make up a term that's not in a book that oh, these reformed people love. Constantly. That's really good. Yeah, I'm going to copyright that one. I'm going to put that on some candy. <laughs> um, but that idea of just be, it, this can seem like a real harsh thing. It just, you know, you are doing wrong things. You don't even understand that they are wrong or the wrongness of them. And they are, um, they are, the wrongness of them is huge. That's true of everyone. The good news portion of that is that God knows that and is you that is part of your forgiveness. It is it is not the list of you have to I am sorry for X, Y, and Z. You're also forgiven of these super wrong things you're doing that you don't know you're doing. So hopefully that should free us up to think about these things in a way, apply them to our lives, and try to grow in these areas, knowing that we have the grace and the forgiveness to do that growth with. All right, move to our last question here. This came in anonymously. And this, I want to throw this one in there. It's kind of a, a fun one. We don't get to do bridge updates that often because we're focused on talking about what you folks are doing. But the way recording schedule is stacked up, I thought this, this would be a fun thing to do. This question came in. It says, this is kind of a different question, but how has the bridge been going? Any new, funny, cool stories to tell us? And Jed, what do you got for us? Well, so we have a kids ministry. and Boy, do we. Yeah. And uh, it varies a bit through the years. We'll have seasons where we we don't have many kids, and we'll have seasons where we have a lot of kids. And the goal, of course, is that you know we're reaching um, and working with men and women who are coming out of jail or drug addiction or street gangs or homelessness or other tough situations. And we want this to be a fun thing where they can always come. There's no barriers, and so plenty of the people that we work with have children. And so we, of course, we want to bring the whole family. Uh, you know, if you're a lady, uh, bring uh, your your husband or your man. If you're a man, bring your Lady, whatever it is, bring your kids. We got you covered. It's going to be a whole thing. So um, Miss Jane uh, put together just a super, super cool uh, children's program. And as a part of that, um, uh, more often than not, I actually lead some music uh, with with the kids, which is a, a super duper ton of fun, and, and it's a good time. So I, I have a few details for you from uh, leading kids music at the bridge. Uh, so thing one is, this goes back actually to last summer. We had a missions team that was there to help serve the meal and whatnot. And uh, they were actually from Switzerland. Uh, and they were nice kids, uh, a teenage kind of youth group kind of thing. No one had told this, told them what this was. Yeah, no, they're they're a little confused, but they're cool. They're cool and good-hearted people. And so um, uh, uh, as you might expect for folks who are from Switzerland, uh, most of them actually spoke uh, German as a, as a first language. And um, so we were singing one of the songs that we do with the kids uh, often is Jesus loves me. And it gets to the section where we say, yes, Jesus loves me. And so we did that once and then we came back to do it again. And I said, okay, so our friends that are here with us this week, they're, they're from a place in another part of the world and they speak a language called German. And in German, if and you want, it's lovely, yeah, it's absolutely, it's sonorous. Uh, if it's you, a beautiful language. 
If you want to say yes, you say yah. So when we get to the chorus, we're all just going to shout yah as loud as we can. And that's, that's what we're going to do. And these kids lost their minds with how much they love. This was the most delightful thing that had ever happened. They, we went through like 12 languages, going through the chorus and just shouting different words for yes. And you think, oh, that's a fun, it's a one-time thing. Every time these kids come back to the bridge, they don't want to sing yes, Jesus loves me. They want to sing the German version. That's, that's the thing. In fact, they don't even give me the chance for Yes, Jesus Loves Me. We're shouting yah from the get-go. That's, that's, that's what we're doing. Now, these same kids who are wonderful and awesome, they, they can be a, a little bit demanding, which is fine. We, we welcome high demands. But um, just the way our service works is uh, we're able to do things some weeks, and, and we have to shuffle things around other weeks. So uh, there are weeks where we'll have a kid's program, but for whatever reasons, uh, we just don't have scheduling time to do music. And so um, we had had a, a, a week like that, and... We had we had missed. We had been on one week and off one week and on another week. And so, uh, as a young lady is you know very distraught, as she comes to me, like, we're we're not singing any songs today. And so I'm I'm sorry, sweetie. We're actually we're we're not. But um, you know, but next time though, next time you come back for sure, we'll definitely do that. And with no pause at all, she says, "That's what you said last time." So you know, you, you know. Yeah. You're going to be held to account. But now here's the last one, which, which really, really delights me. So um, I have been known uh, pretty regularly to wear one of Howie's old dog tags, um, you know, because I, I just like doing it. And so I'm going in to, to lead the music, and one of the boys that is uh, uh, in the kids' program, he looks at the necklace that I'm wearing, which is a dog tag. He says, I want one of those. And I said, well, my man, you got to join the army if you want to get one of those. That's a dog tag kind of looks at me fairly incredulous goes, you were in the army? And I said, well, well, no, actually, but uh, my, my wife was way more incredulous. You have a wife? <laughs> We've gone from improbable to unbelievable here, Jed. Now, did you point to your actual wife? I did. And he was able to see her. It, that did not help. If anything, yeah. that yeah. made things worse. I we're believe used that. to that one. Yeah. There's a lot of, you're married to her yeah that comes up quite a bit but i love this being the next step of wait you're married to someone (laughs) (laughs) well the the thing i love about it is i get the idea of saying you know uh, you know i want one of those what's a dog taxi got to join the army and kind of you know jed yeah i appreciate you leading the songs now but you don't seem like military material guardian of democracy you're not sir and and, you know what uh, you know young bridge attendee i couldn't agree more I, I think, you know, the, the, the military would be wise to not let me join their ranks. It would not be a Uncle good Uncle Sam thing. wants you, not you. Not, not <laughs> you. I, I'm right there with you. I, I think your incredulity, I think you're, you're right and you come by it honestly. But the, you know, you have a wife. Now, see yeah. here. Hurtful. <laughs> that's, that's hurtful. Right. That, yeah. Plenty of people get married. Right. It, you know, think of me what you will, but, you know, just by the numbers, it's possible. Right. So yeah. <laughs> let's, you know, let's mind our tone. Right. I, I do have feelings. He, he was not encumbered by any of those concerns. Right. Yeah. So that is a snapshot of, <laughs> of leading music for the Bridge Children's Ministry. And what an adventure it's been. Yeah. And uh, Glenn, as the, as the, the Grand Poobah, as yeah. I believe your business card said, of the yeah. over as the overall uh, 
operation we have going at the bridge there. What have been some uh, some highlights of the recent past for you? Well, for me, uh, I think the biggest thing is our our uh, women's ministry. It's just unbelievable. Uh, uh, we were just talking about it at, at staff meeting, but essentially, if I uh, can describe it briefly. Uh, a few years ago, um, the uh, uh, women, our wives, and and some of the female volunteers we had at the time said they wanted to start a ministry specifically for women. And at that time, we didn't have hardly any women coming to the bridge. We promoted it behind bars, and there's a lot more guys locked up than women. So we ended up with more guys than women in the service, and it just happened that way for a number of years. Uh, our Our wives decided to change that, so... Uh, they asked me to do the ministry training with them that I do with the staff and uh, and have done with pastors and other people and so forth. Uh, so I did that with them. I was shocked at the rate of uh, that they were able to onboard this wisdom as compared to men uh, and uh, pleasantly surprised and very much impressed. Um, I also somehow, I took a picture of me with them and put it on Facebook uh, and was joking about uh, here's the ladies in our ladies ministry pictured with the head lady at the right, and that was me, the the head lady. Someone, uh, some spam operator sent me a email, spam email, uh, inviting me to an international uh, leader women's leadership conference, mm. and said, you know, that in the email I was an a leading international woman. And invited me to buy the plaque that I could put up. That I, you know, there's Glenn Fitzgerald, leading international woman. I have regretted not buying that plaque ever since. But I do, uh, whenever I meet with the women, explain to them I am a leading international woman. Uh, so we we did that. We uh, started rolling out different types of uh, ministry approaches. Uh, we we cast about a bit, and there was some. Yeah, this works, but not great. This works. We don't know if it's clicking. Uh, and uh, we we uh, settled into a really effective ministry in, in a, a residential facility here in Chicago, and it was just immediately you could feel everything clicking into place. This is what we're doing here. That became so successful that we literally turned that over to our volunteers and expanded to two additional residential uh, drug rehabs that we were working with, uh, and th- and we're doing two other different ministry models in those different facilities because they have slightly different profiles of women. And each of those ministries is now uh, up and running and is successful, and we have a steady attendees of those people coming to the bridge from those programs. So uh, the to me, from where I'm sitting, you're talking about three different ministries, really, uh, three different models that are taking place there with three different approaches, all of them successful, uh, with uh, you know women who, outside of this, don't have uh, hardly any ministry experience. This is, for a lot of them, the first ministry that they've participated in. And uh, I'm sitting uh, this, uh, all this is building to two points. One is I'm sitting with uh, a couple of these ladies that were thinking of moving into leadership at the bridge and having them be deacons, which is a big deal for us and, and, and a thing I've been pushing for for a while. I'm sitting down with these two ladies, and they're talking about the Bible study that they have in their facility that, that um, my wife and uh, Matt's lovely girlfriend come in and do with them, and uh, Amanda, super fan Amanda, 
uh, and they uh, were describing what it's like when our women come in. They say, oh, they, they come in, there's just so much love, and it's so great. And everyone cheers when they get there. Everyone's like, yay, they're here. And everybody applauds, which that never happens to me. So I, I must be doing something wrong. Do you deserve it? No. So there's a, there's a higher quality ministry than what I'm dealing out. This is what I'm certain of. And uh, she says, you know, the, you know the, the two ladies I'm talking to, they're both saying, this is great. We, it's our highlight when they're here. Uh, there's so much love. There's so much encouragement. And, you know, it, it just it means a lot to us. And um, and then they kind of uh, uh, one of them kind of got a look on her face, and she's like, you know, it's when we when we have these meetings, we're talking about like a lot of deep things, and 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 we're really sharing the deep struggles we have. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, that's good. And you know, sometimes it's like really you know stuff like we wouldn't talk about other other places. I'm like, sure, yeah, that's good. Yeah, circle of trust, that's good. That's good. And they say, yeah, but some of it is like it wouldn't be appropriate for like a man to be around because it's like private and personal and things like that. I'm like, right, that's, that's, yes. And, uh, you know, and slowly but surely it dawns on me that she is apologizing to me that I don't get to come to this awesome meeting. Like, it's not, you know, it's not like we don't want you to feel welcome, but, you know, it's uh, the format is what it is. And just the idea that this meeting is so awesome, she's apologizing to me that I don't get to come to it. That's just epic. I think it's just, it, it really uh, is fantastic. But the other thing is, when I look back at this whole history that I've given you, I played the smallest possible role in this. It was just an initial spark of doing some some training. And then I immediately handed that off to Jed's wife, Hallie, and she does the training now uh, when we get new volunteers. Uh, I I have served as a sounding board for this and kind of a cheerleader for it and, and kind of helped uh, give a little bit of direction on an ongoing basis, but it's very, very minimal. And to me, the idea I can be a small part of this unbelievably cool thing is super exciting for me. And I think a lot of people listen to this podcast and they think, well, you know, if I wanted to support a ministry— I would just be given money or I would just be given some volunteer time. I wouldn't be making a major impact. But I'm just saying, when it comes to Our Ladies Ministry, I, it's a small thing that I've done uh, time-wise and effort-wise. But the impact that, that I know that I've been a part of is huge, and it super excites me. So we want you to have that feeling about any ministry that you support, that it does make a huge difference, that it can be that spark that ignites something so much bigger than what you can imagine. That's absolutely right. And if you support the show, if you're a Bridgebox subscriber, if you give, if you just write in and help us out, if you're someone who prays the bridge, we know a lot of you do, you're a huge part of what we're doing at the bridge. We're super duper thankful on that. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Extra plug. Ooh. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com or the British Chicago.tumblr.com. You can scroll down and those links will be in the episode description where you take out the song this week. As you hear this, this will have happened a couple of weeks ago, but here on Easter Sunday, we are fresh off the terrible news of the bombings in Sri Lanka. We have some friends there who uh, are, we have talked to are, are fine, but uh, also have some friends there who've helped us out with some music stuff in the past. We're going to take out with a song featuring our friend Ashton Sandru. This is his version of The Power in the Blood, which we made 
for our Bridge Loud program. Tell you that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, our legal counsel has asked us to clarify that we do not endorse the use of foreskin-related verses on Easter candy. Grace, <laughs> 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 And would you be free from the burden of sin?